America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. With us in the studio right now is the man, the man, and that's Dr. History. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Looking forward to going to the rodeo this week. And uh, are you going to perhaps get me a maple bar and have it all wrapped up and stick it in the refrigerator so I can have it the following Tuesday? <laughs> I've heard a terrible rumor that, uh, that there are going to be no maple bars this year. Are you kidding? No. I've got a note that says they do. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, Okay, well, I... That came from Ryan Samples himself. All right, well, we're good to go then. All right. Yeah. Yep. So today's Ed, we are going to talk about the subject is called the jackass male. (laughs) Okay? The jackass male. Oh, did you open up a large subject to talk about? Okay, go ahead. So, uh, a San Antonio and San Diego mail line, it was called the Jackass Mail, and there was an ad that stated this, because a lot of times, you know, they had passengers and mail, obviously, on the same stagecoach. Yeah. So here's what the ad said. Passengers and express matter forwarded in new, keep in mind, new coaches drawn by six mules over the entire length of our line, except the Colorado desert of 100 miles, which we cross on muleback. Passengers guaranteed in their tickets to ride in coaches, accepting the 100 miles as stated above. Wait a minute. You're on a stagecoach. Right. And then all of a sudden you reach this point. You get And on they a mule. say you get out of the stagecoach and you ride a mule. And, well, don't worry about it. You've only got to ride that mule for 100 miles. 100 miles. You know, that's easy enough, right? And you know how good the saddles were back then. Uh, so comfortable. Yeah. You know. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, anyway, the state of these various well-used wagons should have been the first clue for the passengers that the ad was a little more fiction than truth. Oh, my. In fact, on June 12, 1857, a guy named James Birch of Swansea, Massachusetts, entered into a contract with U.S. government for this route. It was number 8076 at $149,800 per year for a semi-monthly service to commence on July 1st, 1857 and to expire June 30th, 1861. So almost $150,000 a year to run this line. Uh And Birch had only three weeks to organize this 1,475-mile-long trail through the frontier. And so he assigned a guy by the name of Isaac Woods as superintendent. In other words, he was going to be in charge of getting this all ready to go and all the animals, the wagons, everything that was needed. What was the route again? Uh, From San Antonio to San Diego. Oh, through nice, cool country. Right, exactly. Now, this Birch guy, his wife, Julia, uh, 
was I would say kind of a high maintenance lady. Okay, <laughs> she okay. She wanted a mansion filled with beautiful things, with servants to care uh, uh, yeah. for them. And so Birch left this guy Woods in charge while he returned to Swansea to finish building Julia's mansion. Julia. Julia. On September 12th, he booked passage on the ill-fated side wheeler, the Central America. That was loaded with gold from the California gold fields. About 40 miles from Cape Hatteras in a violent storm, the ship uh, split her seams. Now, this Birch guy, he was a pretty good guy. He refused the offer of a life jacket, uh-huh. and a survivor relayed Birch's last words were, quote, no, babe, it's no use. Blub, 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 blub. In blub, other blub. words, it's not going to do any good. And the the survivor said that he just kind of walked away smoking a big old cigar that he fully intended to smoke until the last breath of his life. So kind of like the Titanic. Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. So now, a few years before this, this Birch guy had actually made a fortune from a very successful California stage company. He knew enough to use Concord stages as they were known to be the best for, you know, the rough, rough roads of the of the frontier. Yeah. And for his San Antonio and San Diego mail line, he ordered six passenger wagons from Abbott Company, uh, the Concord, uh, back in New, New Hampshire, where they were made. Well, the passengers and the mail were to be transported on these well-constructed stages, but that didn't quite turn out mm. like they planned. Tell me more. Okay. Now, as soon as his wife, Julia, received word of his death, she sold all interest in the line to her half-brother, a guy named Kelton, and I don't know if that refers to, like, the Kelton I was wondering place about over that. there in Utah. Yeah. I, the Kelton Trail and everything? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, the, the new stages were never put into use. As an ad in the Memphis Daily appealed, it said, stated that there were five of them for sale. So she was just going to sell, sell everything out. Well, Kelton, who bought it, then sold to a guy named, uh, a Texan named Giddings, and he managed the trail from San Antonio, uh, and a guy named Doyle became his partner, and they managed the western end of the trail from San Diego. Mm. Now, this Woods guy, the superintendent, he had a pretty difficult job. In only three weeks, he had to buy mules. He had to hire workers, drivers, stage people. Uh, There were very few stations that were built uh, in Arizona. There was only only one crude pole and brush station. It wasn't a, sta- uh, a, a log cabin of any kind, and that was built at a place called Maricopa Wells. Um, and in a letter received from Tucson by the San Francisco Herald, it was this in 1857, quote, Uh, We reached the Maricopa Wells about 12 o'clock at night. The stage company proposes putting up an adobe house, corral, etc. at this place. At present, a miserable brush house is the only shelter, and only the other day an Indian was seen showing his brethren how easy it would be to send an arrow through it. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Were these people that signed up to go on that stage line? What kind of amenities, if any, were they provided? Food, water, uh, what? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm uh-huh. thinking they had to... They didn't have a provide, Snickers bar, did they? They had to provide for themselves, I think. 
Probably. Wow. You know, so the, the, the travel brochure probably didn't, wasn't really accurate. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, at the beginning of the line service, the trail they followed was the old military road from San Antonio to El Paso, Texas. From there, they followed the immigrant southern overland trail that kind of zigzagged from waterhole to waterhole. The line left the trail and made its way through the mountains to San Diego. Now, although the mail was sometimes carried by wagon, they required uh, the retro required contract delivery time of 30 days was mostly accomplished by frontier know-how utilizing riders on muleback familiar with the dangers of the frontier and some of these guys that so i think they took the mail ahead of the stage to make sure they got it there on time but there was uh, some guys here a guy named bigfoot wallace bigfoot, bigfoot wallace. wallace no another, his name is really daryl daryl another guy named henry skillman and another guy named silas st john Oh, yeah. And for this reason, the line became known as the Jackass Mail. Really? That's where they started hauling it by mule. Anyway, so 1857, now John Butterfield, we know that name very well, won the contract for the Overland Mail Company and was given a one year, uh, one year to ready his 2,700-mile-long uh, trail for service. By the start of the service in 1858, he had improved and shortened the trail and provided regular spaced water sources, which benefited the San Antonio to San Diego line, so things had improved. Now, the Jackass Mail had his contract uh, as through, uh, as though the mail uh, cut short on January 1st, 1859, because of they had a duplication of services, so they were kind of getting cut short. Uh, anyway, after that date, they carried mail from just from San Antonio to El Paso, Texas, and from Fort Yuma then to San Diego, California. And, and you said it was a what, how many day trip? Uh, Thirty. Yeah. You're on the road or the trail for, for thirty time. days. Yeah. And now there was no now no through mail. The line still carried passengers the entire length of its trail. Now this superintendent Woods, like I say, that took over this line, he stated in his November 1857 report to the Postmaster General, uh, Mr. Brown, that yeah. quote we had seven coaches on the road. Mostly they were worn out wagons that frequently broke down because of the unreliability of a set schedule for the passengers. <clears throat> On the San Antonio and San Diego mail line, some passengers heading west from San Antonio departed at El Paso to transfer to one of Butterfield's more reliable Concord stage celerity wagons. Oh, my So goodness. you can imagine you're going along and all of a sudden you see this nice Concord stage there and you think, hey. I'm going to get out of this dumpy old wagon and get in that nice, nice uh, Concord stage. Yeah. So in 1859, George Foster Pierce was a passenger from San Antonio to El Paso, and then he transferred to the Butterfield stage. And in his memoir, he stated, quote, the stage from San Antonio runs no farther than El Paso, and we had to wait two days for the Overland, as it was called. So you didn't just go from one to another to another. You Where did they live while they were on the road? Just wherever they could find. Now, I'm going to actually get into that <laughs> a little bit. There was a Motel 6 out behind or whatever? No, a little oh, worse. I see. Now, another guy by the name of Ray, Foshan R. Ray, was a passenger on the Jackass Mail in June of 1858, so it was summertime. Okay? He complained quite bitterly about the unreliability of the stages, and he wrote in his diary. I'm just going to read what he wrote. Now, careful. Okay. 3 o'clock p.m., we are now about 8 or 10 miles from Masilla. 
We have stopped to feed. We took another passenger at Mesilla, which makes our whole number five. We have also to carry feed for our mules, a large amount of baggage, and the mail, which makes our load very heavy, unusually heavy. The driver is fearful that we will break down before we get through. A lot of confidence oh, there, right? Yeah. The company should have sent another carriage, but it was not done. In fact, the company have deceived us and acted shamefully from the start. They told us that two carriages we started with would go all the way through to San Diego, and both of them have been taken from us. We left the last one at Fillmore and have an old wagon in its place. Uh, a regular open wagon. <laughs> yeah. The one we have is strong and would do very well, but we should have another. It is not sufficient. Okay, he keeps going. The mules we have now are good, but those we have had were broken down things, and what is worse than all, they tell us now that the wagon will go no further than Tucson, and consequently, those unfortunate fellows who are going through to San Diego will have to ride mule back from Tucson and keep up with the mail, which is also packed on mules, and travels day and night. They don't stop. Holy the poor fellows Lord. will have to travel 500 miles over a barren desert, and I'm afraid it is more than they can stand. It is a gross imposition that they should not be born, and the public should know it. He keeps going. <laughs> they paid their money with full understanding that they were to be taken through in an ambulance. And that's what they called some of the coaches. Yeah, you know, back ambulatory then. wagon, yeah. et cetera, yeah. The men employed along the line are fine fellows, and of course they are not responsible for this. No. This is an important route, and we, and will be much traveled, and the government should see that it is properly managed. <laughs> you know, I can't even imagine. Now think about this for a minute, Ken. Think about the hazard of bouncing up and down almost 24-7 for a month yeah. uh, in a wagon, an open-top wagon, with, uh, with weather conditions, rain, oh, thunderstorms, wind, wind dust. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, boy, that's traveling first class. So this guy, uh, Foshan Ray, he, he continues on. He says this, The mail company do not run their stages farther than here, and those who paid their passage through this must ride over a sandy waste on muleback and furnish the mules themselves. Got to buy their own mules. Wow. Or stay here and get the fever and ague. This is a most rascally imposition, and the company will very likely have to pay for it if they are not compelled to pay damages. Their business will be very much injured by the representations of those imposed upon. The mail company are certainly not consulting their own interests by acting this way. You really had to want to go to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, you really had to. Holy now, You know, I like this because there's some quotes from people's journals. Yeah. Now, here's another guy. His name, he was a correspondent. His name is Huning, and he wrote about the unreliable schedule in the Sacramento Daily Union. Uh, he reported that after leaving San Diego, now he's going the other way, they rode on horseback that day. After arriving at Vallecito, he wrote, quote, Here we met the passengers coming from the other end of the route, five in number. They complained very much and had had a very hard time of it. When he arrived in Tucson, he wrote, 
we got to Tucson, was very much disappointed at hearing that I would have to stay at that place until the return of the stage from Mesilla. This was sometime before Christmas, and later he wrote, on New Year's Eve, I was glad to see the coach arrive. So he had to stay there for, what, a couple of weeks or more. Whoa. Now, uh... Probably the most colorful account comes from on the Jackass mail line was given by this guy named Ray that I've quoted before. And here's what he says. You're going to like this, Ed. There is no tavern or other accommodation here for travelers. And I was obliged to roll myself in my blanket and sleep either in the street or in the corral, as the station house had no windows or floor and was too close and warm. The corral is where they keep the horses and mules, but I slept very comfortably as the ground was made soft by manure. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I totally... Now, I've camped out a lot of yeah. times, yeah, but I've never found it necessary. Oh. So he, he keeps You know, going. can you imagine the smell of those people? <laughs> you know, but by then, you know, you probably didn't smell much better than the, uh, than the horses or oh, the mules. Oh, my goodness. But anyway... That's not traveling. No. Because the passengers didn't know if they would travel by muleback or stage or if they would arrive at their destination on a set time schedule, this added to the difficulty of sleeping and eating along the trail. And they paid for this. Yeah, and meant their memory of the journey would stay with them for the rest of their lives. Oh yeah, if they survived. What what did it cost again? I you know I I didn't see uh, where it had cost, but uh, let me just uh, point out, folks, that there's another story that I did on November nineteenth, two thousand thirteen. Okay, uh, the fastest stage run in history. Now this was John Butterfield or Ben, no Ben Holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben Holiday. Uh, he had 6,000 horses and 200 Concord stages to maintain the mail and the passenger service over 3,000 miles, and he had to make the fastest run from San Francisco to Kansas uh, in order to keep that contract. So he had his best horses and stages lined up, and he was the only rider, and he had the best drivers and he sometimes drove himself so he rode alone he helped drive the stage and in 12 days and two hours non-stop he beat his record by five days better than any previous stage run wow. and that was in 1865 or yeah in eight yeah, 1865. You know, you mentioned the years, 1850s, 1860s, and the Apache uprisings in the southwest were going on. What was the attack uh, by the Indians on these wagons? Well, we know they were attacked, and, and you know, people were killed, and... Um you know, I, I've talked about some of that before, and, you know, yeah, there was definitely some bad things that happened along the trail. So, in other words, the gist of what you're telling us this morning, back uh, in 1850s and 60s, travel to see Grandma wasn't the best. No, and this guy received almost $150,000 per year for running this, but yet you got to consider... Okay, he had to buy the mules, the wagons, yeah. and obviously he must bought, went to your local uh, used uh, wagon uh, used dealer. Used jackass store or something. <laughs> and probably some of the used jackass uh, dealers there, and maybe they weren't all exactly honest in oh telling about this nice sakes. mule that was only ridden to church by a little old lady yeah. once a week or something. You know, Things were tough. They were. You know, Think about the drivers. Oh, my goodness. You know, going... 
you know, sometimes they would get to the next station after going maybe 12 hours, and they wouldn't be a driver there. They'd have to go another maybe 12 hours before. Oh. They, so, and that's well. well that, think about the livestock. Maybe there wasn't any livestock exactly. at the next station. Right, and so they had to push those mules. Wow. Uh, even farther. But, you ought to do another story on that. Well, it's kind of fun. The, uh, you know, I've talked before about the the different wagons, the different yeah. stagecoaches, yeah. and uh, how some of them really were pretty nice. They know? literally, they the travelers would have been better off basically doing it on their own. Well, e- even on horseback. Yeah. You know, just uh, a good horse. And they could have stopped when they wanted sure. to. They could have had bathroom breaks when they wanted to. Well, and, it, you know, if it were me, I would be on a horse with a couple of pack horses. Yep. With gear, you yeah. know. Uh, what you needed. Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, they say mule... <clears throat> that mules uh, were better than horses, yeah. and oxen were better than mules as far as wagons. Yeah, but not time-wise. No, they were much slower. Yeah. Yep. That's a good story this morning. Thank you, Dr. History. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we will see you next Tuesday. I will be here. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, nobody does it better than Dr. History, and we're blessed to have him on our show. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.